0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always and of course we're here to talk all things Aston Villa with a 5-1 thumping at the hands of Newcastle United on opening Premier League weekend. Not the way that Villa wanted to kick off their season of course but nonetheless we're back here talking all things Villa related. Hopefully we can put a better positive spin on it. Uh, talk about a little bit of uh, transfer news that's been going on on this Sunday when we're recording we also have a bunch of uh, comments that people sent in via Twitter and Facebook um, in regards to how they felt about uh, yesterday's or Saturday's result depending when you're listening to this so we'll try to share some of those make a little bit of those some I guess talking points so we don't have to get too down on ourselves but nonetheless it's not just me we do have Mr. Simon O'Regan as well so Simon how's it going for you? yeah not too bad
1: I mean that uh that wasn't in the script, was it I mean, I don't think any of us were were expecting that so um yeah not not the best way to start the new
0: season, really no, but let's be honest, Simon, when do we ever start the new season well like when's the last time we actually won an opening day in the Premier League was it was it oh, Bournemouth I was... away Do you not think won? it
1: might have been yes, yeah. so that was what twenty fifteen yeah and I, th- I think the the last time we we beat Newcastle at Saint James's Park, Donnell Hall hadn't even made his debut for Billy yet, so that's how long ago that one was.
0: <laughs> so, how old, to put this into context? How old would you have been then?
1: Um, I was trying to think, what year was that? I would have probably been, oh God, probably around like maybe seventeen or eighteen, something like that. I, cool. I actually went to that game as well. Did the last time we won? It was when um, Lee Bowie and Kieran Dyer got sent off for fighting with each
0: other. Well, there was no fighting on the Newcastle end, at least, but uh, nonetheless, we wish we saw a little bit more fight from Una Emery's men. I mean, just, I mean, we all know it, it was a shit show, let's be honest. Um, there's going to be some swearing in this one. I, I wouldn't doubt it, just to put some context to the listeners. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at it from start to finish, it just, basically, I I feel like some people even, especially on social media, we all know how social media is, Simon. But I mean, did you almost kind of get that feeling as soon as we heard about Emmy Buendia going down? It just, that's one thing. And then, of course, in the match, Tyra Mings gets hurt again. They're probably out for most of the season. It just, it feels like we're taking two steps or two major steps back. And we're just trying to regroup on a kind of a, a set system. We all thought that would
1: work so well, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like the Buendia injury, I, I think that that definitely had a big effect because I'm pretty sure that he just started in, instead of Bailey, and you've just seen Buendia off the left and McGinn playing off the right. Um, and to be fair, I think that did have a major effect because McGinn, I think we said it in the uh, WhatsApp group chat at half-time, he just he didn't look comfortable at all playing off the left. And... When you think of the job he did on Dan Byrne back in April, and we beat, um, it, it was a bit strange to see him out, uh, sort of not in his usual position. And then the way we started was just so poor, you know, going one down so early. I did kind of think, oh god, this is going to be one of those days. But then But then we we kind of had our, our hopes raised, didn't we, a little bit with uh, with the new boy getting in on the acts as well. But yeah, after that, it just. It, He went from bad to worse. And with Deming's injury, we just completely fell apart. And I think that's going to be a really, really bad one for us. 100%.
0: And I I mean, let me know if you agree. But, like, honestly, watching the game back itself, I felt like every single goal that we conceded was easily avoidable. Like, from minute one. It just... I don't know. It's... I mean, you can dig into certain players. Like we could look at Luca Dean, not tracking back at certain instances. We could look at Bailey really not committing to providing a little bit of cover defensively. Um, I do want to talk to talk about him for a little bit, just to beat that horse a little bit more, even though it's <laughs> completely obliterated into oblivion. But I mean, they're all avoidable goals and realistically going into halftime, it could have been two all if um, Ollie Watkins put that one away. <sighs> It's an interesting one, but there's just so many ways to look at this game with a different context. Like It's a 5-1 loss, but like it's not really a 5-1 loss, if that makes sense. Do you agree?
1: Um, well, I mean, to be fair, it could have been more. Or less. <laughs> Let's be honest, I, they missed some good chances. I mean, I, I definitely agree in terms of the goals we conceded. They, they were really, really poor, really poor goals to give away. Um, I mean, even that, that first one, Yeah, I don't understand really how it goes over. Both the centre backs heads and, and lands in the middle of the six yard box, or so that—that doesn't seem like that should be allowed to happen, really. And then, I mean, God, I can't even remember. Oh yeah, the second one. To be fair, I, I think I think there's a few things wrong with that second one, which maybe we'll we'll, we'll dig into it in a little bit. Then obviously, Cons has made that error, which you know. Just what can you really do about that? Um, You can't legislate for that. And then kind of the last two goals, the game was sort of gone by by that stage anyway, really. But what was was kind of worrying was how easily they got in behind that high line over and over again. Like last season, that was such a feature of strength for us. But it just, I don't know whether it's a problem like just with the back four itself or Was there problems sort of further forwards with midfield and forward players not doing their jobs in terms of pressing to to stop them being able to pick those passes? But yeah, I I get the point you made as well. If, if Watkins puts that one away, which, you know, he really should have done and makes it 2-2, and it's a completely different game. But when, when you've got done 5-1, I don't think you can really argue anything other than you deserve to lose and lose heavily, really.
0: Yeah, I also feel like it's one of those games like I mean, look at Newcastle coming to Villa Park last season and we absolutely like it was only 3-0. It could have been way more. It's very similar to this game. We absolutely battered them. And yeah. you put that in context in their season as a whole last season. It really didn't matter. I mean, you probably had some Newcastle fans a little bit annoyed, of course, but realistically, it really didn't matter. They're gonna qual- they qualified for Champions League. They knew they were essentially almost gonna get it at that point. We were on a high. And I guess kind of going off from that, you look at this season, I I feel like because it's the first game and it's that score line, a lot of people are going to look into it with that context of, oh my God, it's five one, we're in real trouble. But realistically, if we if we beat Everton, if we win the next two, even if we just literally win one game, like I feel like this is completely forgotten, to be honest. If this was <coughs> the third game and we won the first two, would people Matt like really care all that much? Would it be as much of a frustration and dampener? I don't think so, but I mean, we might as well talk about it right now. I think the biggest dampener mentally was Tyro Mings getting injured, which it, I mean, I don't think anything's really come out so far, but everyone's basically um, has the assumption. Now it's his ACL, which is probably best case, probably six months, worst case the whole season. Um And really with that, um, there's a lot of context with that too. You look at someone who, I mean, statistically when he comes out of the side, we are incredibly poor. Uh, He has a lot of leadership. You look at Kanza; He just doesn't seem like the same player without Mings next to him. And then it throws Pa Torres right into the mix when arguably he, A, may not be ready yet to compete actively in the Premier League, might need a little bit more uh, betting in time or B, which I kind of agree with more, I felt like he was going to probably play further out on the left, maybe in a three or playing kind of as a a left back per se in attack, and maybe more as a kind of left center back defensively as a little bit of a hybrid role. But I mean, Simon, for you, what does this injury in particular mean to, I guess you as a Villa fan, and what do you think it means to the club for
1: not only the rest of the transfer window, but the rest of the season? Well, I mean, it's, it's a really bad one to be like absolutely gutted for him. You know, he's sort of last few months of last season, he was excellent. He got back into the England squad um, where we should you know, have a, a decent European campaign this season. So it's for for him, it's like Percy. I just really feel for him the same way I do for Brent Deer as well. In terms of the impact on, on us for the season, I, I think he's, he's, It could have a really big one, to be fair. I mean, like you said, Torres may need sort of a bit of adjustments to sort of get up to speed with the Premier League. Carlos, we haven't really seen enough of him to sort of give a proper judgment, and he's obviously returning from a horrific injury himself. So you don't know if he's going to be quite the same player that he was beforehand. So I think it just has a a really big effect and also... You know, Ming's is such a leader on the pitch, he's a real vocal presence, one of the sort of senior players, well respected, well liked. So I think it could have a really big effect. And with him and Buendia possibly, you know, missing the bulk of if not the entire season, I think we're gonna have to do something in the window, really, because I mean, unless there's a younger defender that he thinks may be able to step up and and give some cover, I I don't know. I I think think he's going to have a big effect on us.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, even kind of discussing it from a transfer perspective, I I mean, heading into, well, maybe we'll go back a week ago. I felt depth-wise, we could probably still have added, in my opinion, a backup goalkeeper and maybe another wide player or something like that. Now with Buendia and Mings out, and we'll probably get a better sense here in the next few days, how long exactly those two will be out. I mean, Buendia, no doubt in my mind, would have started against Newcastle. If Mings, I know know it's hindsight, and I'm putting this out there, and it's not obviously, didn't happen. So obviously it's just a hypothetical. But for me, if Mings played that whole game, yeah, we probably still would have lost, but I don't think it would have been nearly as bad. Like those last two goals... For example, it's like if you're playing on FIFA on like the easiest, most possible, and you just run right through (laughs) the defense. That's literally what it felt like to me. But I mean, of course, we've seen Jack Harrison was linked um, and potentially set to join, according to Fabrizio Romano and a bunch of other outlets. And then within half an hour, it turned into from basically us hijacking Everton and taking him to, oh, by the way, you can take him, but he might be out for five to six weeks. Uh, from Leeds United's perspective Uh, which is just very interesting and then Villa pulling out I mean that would have been the obvious Buendia replacement in my mind and then I've seen a few people put examples out I'm not saying this would be um, who Villa would go after but like a Johnny Evans on a free I mean we're gonna have to be very very um I guess smart with how we deal with signings for the rest of the window aren't we Simon because it's not even about just bringing players in in addition to Mings and Buendia now it's okay how do we cover until they come back isn't it
1: yeah I mean I, I think when we did um, the Twitter spaces the other day I kind of said something similar in terms of like with with Buendia specifically yeah you obviously you need to bring someone in to replace but you need to be you Need to kind of think about how you do that because, like, do you just go out and sign someone permanently and then when, when D is back, you've got too many players, you need to maybe move someone on. So, I wouldn't be surprised to if maybe it's like a couple of loans or something that come in or or like a free transfer. But, um, yeah, there's I mean, there's, there's definitely the work that's going to need to be done, and even before these two injuries I still kind of felt that we were probably a little bit light up top anyway so I was expecting business regardless of of what's happened but now I think these these two injuries probably just exacerbate the situation a bit and made it a bit more bit more clearly defined that yes we're going to have to to do more business before the end of the window. So
0: how, how do you think kind of going into especially Everton I I don't know if we'll have a a preview for that one that good old Elon Musk has made getting in touch with uh people that don't follow you very difficult now (laughs) so getting people to collaborate is being very annoying and I probably will have to subscribe to it just to literally make this podcast continue to have some sort of quality that I hope some people see at least but regardless of that I mean from a defensive standpoint who do you think slots in do you think it's Torres do you think Carl it's Carlos I mean it for me, it puts Torres in more of a tricky predicament than it does Carlos. But at the end of the day, we don't even still know what we have with Diego Carlos yet because, of course, of the injury last season.
1: Yeah, I was kind of thinking about this earlier, actually. I I wouldn't be surprised if you see a back four of Conza, Carlos, Torres and, and Dina. um So I, I thought Matt Cash really struggled as well yesterday. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw something like that. But I mean, who knows? <laughs> like, I mean, I, they're sure they'll be looking a lot at what went wrong and and different things to try and do. So it'll be be interesting to see how they do line up with that. But there's there's going to have to be some rejigging around, definitely. Absolutely. And I mean, to not compare Jack
0: Harrison to what could have been if he was healthy to Leon Bailey, but to me, Jack Harrison is probably more of an Unai Emery style winger than Leon Bailey ever could be. Let's talk about Leon Bailey for a moment. I mean, we've we've done this a million times. I mean, and Tom have probably ranted and raved more than people want to listen to. But I, I know it's one game. It's the opening season, but like Simon, please tell me what this man offers because I think he's accidentally good sometimes, and that's about <laughs> it. Oh,
1: gosh, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's a really tough one because he's he's getting to the stage where. You can see, you wouldn't be surprised if he starts getting sort of stick in the ground, which I, I really wouldn't want to see. But he's, I mean, he's, he, he didn't have a good game. And I mean, no one, not many people did, to be fair, uh, against Eastcastle. But yeah, he, he really struggled. But then at the same time, and I said it a couple of times last season, he keeps on picking him. Like even last year when there were other options available, he sort of regularly picks Bailey. So, Emery must see something in him, and he does have. It does give you like the odd flash where you think, okay, there is like a really good player there, but he's just he's so hit and miss. And I, I think if if we didn't have save Brendia and Ramsey didn't have their injuries, I I don't know if Bailey would necessarily have still been here at the start of the season. I think. I, it's a tough one, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is his last season as a Villa player because uh, unless he, he puts together a really good runner form, um, you know, going into the rest of the season. But he's, I think, he, he's getting, he's getting sort of last chance saloon at the moment.
0: Well, I saw some um, a bunch of tweets linking to Saudi Arabia early in the week and, like, not to be rude to the guy. I doubt he's ever going to listen to this or hear this. And he gets more criticism just from than from me. So, like, really, he probably couldn't care less. But when I saw that, I thought, yes, please. It's just <laughs> – I, I hate being that way with Villa players. It sounds super fickle and negative. But it's just – like, it's been long enough where it's clearly not going to work. Um, it's been three managers now. Um and I just don't really see where, especially with Unai Emery, assuming he's a, a longer term in modern football, however long you want to determine that uh, appointment. Um, I just don't see when he'll ever turn kind of around the corner to be something that's productive and consistent. Now, of course, we've had the discussion a million times that wingers are consistently inconsistent, but looking at Musa Diaby, he's, <laughs> I mean, they played together <laughs> at Leverkusen. <laughs> I mean, it makes you think, Jesus
1: Christ! Why? I think we signed the wrong one off the first, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> and, and that was sort of the one positive spark of of that game, really, wasn't it? DRB, you know, he he, he looks he looks like a, a really really decent player, and he took his goal brilliantly, and sort of looks threatening in in other stages. So, yeah, maybe we should have just got him first time around a couple of years ago. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. He like, in terms of um. Baney, it's, it's looking like it's just not going to happen for the lads. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. Cause I do weirdly have a bit of a soft spot for him. I'm not too sure why, but because I, I do think he does try hard. I mean, I know he, he, he switched off a few times yesterday and like, you know, let's be honest, he had the really poor game and did a lot of things wrong. But I don't personally, I don't ever think it's a lack of effort. I just think it's a lack of quality and thought at times that that lets him down. Oh, exactly. It's,
0: I don't even know if it's a mental thing or what it's, I don't like if, for me with Leon Bailey in particular, I felt like there was going to be an issue and potential for this not to work out. As soon as we kind of saw the links with, I think it is like his uncle or something that's his agent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the whole, that whole weird announcement, like it just, it seemed really tin pot from the get go. Um, and it really didn't give me high hopes. Um, but going over to Musa Diaby, I mean, I, I can't remember the last player that Villa have signed and he slotted in so seamlessly. He actively looks for space. He's running into the channels. He's always hungry for the ball. When he drives at defenders that you can tell that they're second-guessing what he's going to do because he's so unpredictable. But at the end of the day, Simon, I mean, it, it's great to have him up front. It's great to see um Ollie Watkins hopefully potentially bearing some more goals in the near future and and slotting those away. We'll, we'll put that to the side and hope for the best, but I mean, everything kind of behind them right now, for me at least seems like a bit of a question mark in terms of how we're going to line up going forward. Do you see it that way too?
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, No, obviously, DRB had had a pretty impressive performance. Got, as I say, a really, really good goal and should have had an assist. Um, which, I mean, Watkins, at least we've, we've sort of covered this ground so many times. He, he does miss some chances that you think he should be putting away, but in general, he offers so much of and does get you a decent return on goals. Um, so I, I, I don't have too many worries about them to sort of Connecting as a partnership going, as the season goes on. But there are definitely, um, you know, interesting sort of things to look at uh, behind her in that midfield. Um, you know, as with this Deer injury and McGinn doesn't really look right when he's out on the left. So there's there's a few things, I think, to sort of tinker around and, and work out. And you've obviously, as well, you have got the option of putting Derby out wide and, Maybe having someone else in the middle. Um, you know, you've, you've got Finagine, obviously. He, he came on, didn't really have enough time to make an impact. So he's an option that, that you could have in a wide position. You've got Coutinho, who looked decent towards the end of pre season. So there are options available to him. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. Pers- I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tiedemann started instead of Kamara against Everton. Because so I, I thought, I mean, I love Kamara's outstanding footballer but I thought he had a particularly poor game yesterday and so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that change but then you've got so whatever players do come in they've you know they've got to take their chance and this is sort of what we wanted with the stronger squads um to have these be able to make these changes and hopefully still keep a decent level of performance up hopefully a much better better level of performance than what we saw yesterday
0: yeah i mean the quicker that we forget yesterday or of course saturday probably the better but let's go over to uh twitter because there's quite a few comments on there of course yesterday uh i think it was two or three hours post match i just kind of asked her how people are feeling about the result any takeaways they had um we'll start with the twitter ones i think there's actually quite a bit inter of interaction or interactivity. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but anyways, everyone knows what I'm trying to say. I'm sure over on Facebook. So we'll try to get to that too. If I can remember to do so. Um, but let's start with Minnesota Lions says, um, saying that, uh, Mings's injury shook the team midfield wasn't up, um, on the day need to rethink high line with new offside criteria. Walken needs to pick it up in finishing. Bailey is a liability um let's go to uh Gary Dolphin who says uh highline us without ming's organization don't think cash um is good in this type of defensive philosophy he wants to go deep um i'm not too sure what he's trying to say next but i'll just read it as he put it maybe you'll understand simon i think it was a typo it just says up near the oh i think it's up near the third goal we created more clear cut chances then Newcastle um, not the start we wanted but we'll recover I, I don't know he put Neil so I'm thinking that meant to near or something like that but regardless we'll we'll pretend that's what it says and hopefully that made sense but in regards to that comment in particular I mean what did you make of Matty Cash yesterday because I mean we we've seen him defend strongly at times there's been probably more times than we want where he's probably slid into too many risky challenges. And yes, he's come away with it, but again, he probably shouldn't have to do it as much as he does it because of his positioning at times, but all in all, what did you make of him on Saturday?
1: It was, it wasn't his best performance. Was it? I mean, I I thought he, I thought he had a poor game. You know, Anthony Gordon, I I don't think he's a particularly good footballer. And (laughs) he mate he, he looked like sort of prime Ryan Giggs on some occasions. Um. yeah, he really struggled with him. So, I thought he had had a really difficult afternoon and capped off by that miss. I mean, I've seen some people try to give him the benefit of the doubt by saying it came back quickly at him, but I'm sorry. Professional footballers should be able to control that and stick that one away. So, it was disappointing. And I I do like Cash. I I think he is a decent player, but he's going to have to improve. Very, very quickly on that performance. If he wants to to keep his place in this villa team, because yeah, he I thought he really struggles, as did quite a lot of our players. But I thought he was one of one of like the worst offenders, probably.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with him for me was it. I mean, if you look at Luca Dean in particular, I mean. When Luka Dean bombed forward, I kind of felt like Cash should have stayed back, but it felt like Cash never wanted to actually track back, which I'm very used to Cash bombing forward and then literally sprinting his ass off to get back. Not saying he didn't do that yesterday, but it, I don't know. The whole cohesiveness of the defensive lineup just, I don't know. I mean, the whole team basically, but in particular defensively, it just seemed to have no kind of idea of what one another were doing even though that's been our back line for well over a year now i I mean bear in mind of course luca dean's been slotting in and out with alex moreno um who to be honest i think we massively missed with how he performs um yesterday in particular um let's go back to twitter for a few more here i'll just read them off here quickly uh charlie bannister lackluster lethargic it was pretenders against proper operators worrying signs issues um Haven't been addressed from last season. We papered over the cracks towards the back end. A lot of issues need sorting and sorting fast. Uh, he thinks we need a minimum of three players in the door. Um, he says this week, but arguably we'll take that as soon as possible at this point in time. Um Let's scroll down here to um, Ian, who says, take the positives. We did create chances. We could have leveled at 2-2, cash chance at 3-1. Uh, no doubt Ming's injury shook the team. We perhaps should have shut up shop at 3-1. We go again on Sunday. We will have a good season, give new players time to bed in. Now, Simon, so, mean, that's important to remind ourselves and everyone else that, of course, it's just one game. It's the start of the season. There's still lots of football to be playing. Who knows? We're only three points off the top. Maybe we go undefeated <laughs> and we win the league. Um, But all in all, the thing that I picked out from there in particular was that we did create chances. Cash had a chance. Of course, we all know that Mings, the, we already discussed how much that really shook the team. But... I, I think it kind of stems back to even last season, and probably as long as we've been Villa fans, we just need to put those chances away. I mean, we saw in preseason how clinical we were, and for whatever reason yesterday, it just never really seemed like we could get five minutes put together. Did it?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> this, uh, this is a well-worn football cliche, but goals change games, don't they? <laughs> Watkins puts that one away, brings it back to two-two, and think, I don't think there was too much longer in the half left so you're going at half-time 2-2, it's a very different game. Cash sticks his chance away, you know, you pull yourself back to 3-2 and it makes it a completely different game. There, there was a couple of headers from corners as well that we really should have done better with. So we did have chances and yeah, you you have got to be more clinical. I mean, Newcastle were extremely clinical and ruthless in, you know, that that first hour especially and, Once, once they sort of got to three, they, you know, the game felt like it was pretty much gone then. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I I agree as well that, look, it's right to be sort of angry and and critical of that performance because it just, it wasn't good enough. It's not acceptable. You can't, I mean, I know the Mings, Mings going off did have a massive impact on us, but that's still no excuse the way we collapse. So it's right to, to question, you know, uh, based on that type of thing. But it is, it is just one game. Like you sort of mentioned earlier, we absolutely battered them back in April last season. And, you know, we didn't define their season. So there's no reason to think that it should define ours. So like so some of the reaction on Twitter was a little bit over the top, but but that's what you get, you know, when you go on Twitter after the defeat. Um, so, yes, yeah, yeah, like I said, be, be rightly annoyed and critical, but let's not, you know, blow this completely out of context. It is just one game. Oh, if if we're still putting in performances like that over the next 10 games, you know, then that that's the time to panic. But I just, I don't see that happening myself
0: hundred percent. Um, let's go to JJ on Twitter, which I hope would actually be uh Jacob Ramsey, but it's not. <laughs> um, he, he says that Bailey isn't going to come good and people need to accept that Kamara looked lost, um, which is unusual for him and unfit. Um, he looked gassed by halftime. I do have to agree with that. Um, I mean, we do get that with Kamara once in a while too. Um, it's not really surprising. Every footballer has an off day. Um, and he's really no exception to that. Of course. Uh, he also says one of the center backs needs to become a leader, um, with tie out. Unai needs to adjust the high line when it's a problem. There's two things. And this is the reason why I kind of want to discuss this one, Simon. And then maybe we'll pick out one or two more and go over on Facebook and discuss those. But, um, I mean, who do you think steps up to be that leader? I mean, we've seen Kanza, like I said before, uh, without Mings and it ha- he has struggled. I-, I guess kind of a. Two way, two parter question. Do you think it will be Kanza that will step up as kind of that leader in the back, or more so? Do you think he has that ability to do that? Of course, he's still white, probably in his what mid twenties by now. I think. Yeah, yeah,
1: so, yeah. I think he'd be around twenty five maybe now.
0: Yeah, so like with that kind of context, I guess the first question: Do you think? He, do you think he has it in him? Essentially. And secondly, I mean, were you surprised that even after 3-1, we didn't kind of adjust the high line? Because at that point, I think most people knew the game was over and it just kind of seemed like, I don't know. I wouldn't say Emery seems like just absolutely confused and didn't know what to do, but I was very surprised and let me know how you felt, but that he didn't change anything and just seemed to kind of go, you know what, we'll see this one out as is.
1: Uh, Well, so... Starting on concert, yeah, I, I think he does have it in him, to be fair. And, you know, this, this is his opportunity to, to really step up and, and sort of show, show what he's made of and show what he's about. You know, he, obviously the season sort of under, uh, when Gerard took over, he, he did have like quite a big dip in form, really. And sort of questions, you know, was he as good as we thought he was? But to be fair, last season, I, I thought he got back to, to his best self, you know, I thought he was excellent last season and working under Emery. I, I think he'll only improve and get better. And that, as he gets a bit older and more experienced. Yeah, I, I don't see why, why he couldn't sort of step up and, and take that mantle on. So yeah, I think he's got it in him. And then on the next point in terms of, you know, should, should we have changed things around? You could argue that, but. Emery's done this before, you know, when, when you look at, um, the, when we had that run of three defeats in February, um, last season against Leicester, City and Arsenal, he, he, he played, he played the way that he wants to play and he, you know, he, he has what he wants. He has his sort of playing style and he sticks to it and, I kind of, I, I don't mind that in a way. I mean, I suppose at, at some points, you, you know, you do have to get to the stage where you think, okay, maybe damage limitation could come in. But I'd know there's something about a manager sticking to his beliefs that, that I do quite like in a way because otherwise you could be, if you're, if you're constantly changing and sort of reacting, you know, to, to different things and constantly sort of changing the way you're trying to play. Then you maybe have the accusation that you, you kind of don't know what you're doing and you're just sort of like panic reacting. So yeah, I mean, there's, you can look at it either way, really, but I I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that is something that Emery is going to do in terms of sort of changing what he, how he wants to play mid game just because things aren't necessarily working. I think it'll be a case of no, this is what we do. We're going to play through it and keep going.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I think some people jumped on that one a little bit too easily and kind of felt like, well, if Dean Smith was hard-headed and so was Steven Gerrard, like why is Una Emery being this way? I mean, I can think of Mourinho teams, Wenger teams, every manager has stubborn moments. I don't really think this is one of those. I, I felt like Emery probably thought we could still maybe score one or two, even though we, if we lost, to be honest, I felt like he wanted to play this one out and see how this side responded. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because to be honest, eventually things like this show, not necessarily who's up for the fight, but who can mentally kind of overcome that hurdle and kind of maybe even unify the rest of the teammates, not, to individualize one person out and say they're crap and they can't play for us anymore. I think it's more of a unity thing there, but hopefully that made sense. It made sense in my head when I said that, but regardless of that, uh, I'll just jump over on Facebook here. Cause there's roughly around 14 comments. So we'll go to, um mark edwards who says tyrone was our biggest loss yesterday end of discussion uh we lost to bournemouth first game last season and lost by four goals at st james's park last season as well but ended up seventh somehow um how we do will be dependent upon how we replace one of our leaders at the back and on the pitch we have the quality elsewhere um let's go to um (laughs) i like this one to see how people are kind of getting over the game or how they feel um michael russian just says king prong curry and fried rice i guess that's how he got over yesterday (laughs) fair enough um let's see here mark facey replacement for bailey required gave the ball way too cheaply mings is a massive loss speedy recovery to our injured parties and um let's finish in this one and i'll I'll treat this as a a four word review even though typically we do three word reviews just to hint we're not doing three word reviews because to be honest i couldn't be bothered yesterday to go through people just saying how shit we were um on the open day of the season and put me in a little bit of more of a, a sour mood as you can say but sarah taylor sums it up very well and says an unai i trust well, Sarah and Unai, we all trust. And I, I think that's kind of the bigger thing that we all have to remember. Like I said before, and Simon said it too, it's one game, we'll wait to see what happens. I expect, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if those players were already at, back at body Morph today, Simon getting drilled into with videos and yeah. different kind of um, assignments to look at kind of what went wrong. He He's going to put it right. I expect a very, very different performance against Everton now. It's a different opponent All in all, we're going to probably have more time on the ball. Of course, in my opinion, I thought Everton probably should have won yesterday. Somehow they couldn't literally. I mean, it's (laughs) Neil Mopai, so who knows? He'll find his shooting boots against us. Wouldn't that be oh so typical? But um, all in all, I do have a lot more confidence going into the next one. For some reason, we always seem to play Everton very early in the season. And that's kind of how we kick off our season. So <laughs> if Steven Gerrard can be Everton, I think Unai Emery can do it again. So I think that's a good way to sum it up. But um, before we wrap things up, Simon, do you have anything you kind of want to get off your chest event in regards to Villa or anything else you want to mention?
1: No, I mean, just, just like you said there, it's, it's that, that performance it's not typical of, of what we've seen since Emery's come in. So, you know, let's just, park it, move on, and you know, uh, get, get our season started properly against Everton next weekend? Absolutely. Well, hopefully we actually kept um, this
0: episode somewhat um, short. I don't see the counter for the recording numbers on my phone or on my computer, so I have no clue how long this actually was. So hopefully um, it was a good one and everyone enjoyed. But I think the main things we can all kind of take away from this edition of the Holtcast, I mean, buen Dia and Ming's, They're out right now, but I'm sure they'll come back stronger. We're going to get replacements. I mean, I don't think there's a doubt in that. And Una Emmer, we all trust. Um, And you know what? Upmost, stay calm, keep backing the lads, and don't take things too seriously. Because at the end of the day, it is only football. There's other things to life. If it's the be-all and end-all, I understand it for some people, but... Come on, folks. <laughs> One <laughs> result doesn't define our lives. If that's the case, um there's too many poor Villa results. And I think we would have all pack it in by now. But anyways, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much to Mr. Simon O'Regan for joining me. Of course, you can find him on Twitter. At Sai O'Regan. You can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Check out the website, www.7500holt.com. Of course, you can email the podcast, holtcast at gmail.com. And you can, of course, email the main website if you have any stories, um, any opinions you want to share and send us over a brief opinion article or anything like that. It's uh, 7500 to Holt main at gmail.com. I do have to start remembering that within my very long outro. Um, and yeah, we'll leave it at that. Like I said at the very start, I don't know if we'll have a preview podcast um, for Everton. We'll try to get something out, regardless, or we'll do a Twitter Spaces. But regardless of all that, we'll have plenty of content over on the website. So do go and check that out. Uh, it's been a little bit re- revitalized. Hopefully, it stays that way. Um, and yeah, we'll leave it there. And don't forget up uh, the villa.